Good afternoon, good evening, whenever or wherever in the world you're tuning in from. My name is David Nash and you're listening to the official UNFD podcast where together we're celebrating 10 years of UNFD, a cornerstone of Australia's heavy music scene by diving deep into the stories behind just some of the records that made UNFD what it is today. In case you haven't already seen the announcement, over the next few months, the legends at UNFD are re-releasing a series of classic records from their back catalogue on limited edition collector's vinyl. We kick things off in April with the epic Earthwalker and Skydancer double feature from In Hearts Wake. And for round two, we're diving deep into the world of melodic punk with Hellions and their landmark 2016 album, Opera Oblivia. From the second that 24 explodes into a bold and bright sing-along anthem, it's clear that Opera Oblivia won't be your typical stock standard punk rock album. It's an epic, one-of-a-kind rock opera, as the name suggests, driven by themes of hurt and angst, but it's also very playful and groovy. The album might just be a little over half an hour long, but... It is one massive journey through a wide range of sounds and emotions. Ambitious? Absolutely. But these big over-the-top concept albums have always been what Hellions do best, even going back to the days when they were Sydney's underground hardcore heroes playing as The Bride. Opera Oblivia is Hellions' third full-length effort, and it came after a bit of a shake-up within the band. Early in 2015, just a few months after they released Indian Summer, Their bassist and guitarist both left the fold, paving way for Chris Moretti and Josh Campiow to take their places. Rounded out with Anthony Caruso on drums, Dre Fev behind the mic and Matt Gravelin shredding out on lead guitars, Hellions were in top form. And there was plenty of creative gold for them to mine. Just a few months after they started kicking around some new ideas, the blokes were on their way to Thailand where they spent three weeks knuckling down with the legendary producer Shane Edwards. Thailand is actually a pretty important place in the Hellions narrative, mostly because of Shane Edwards, who you might also know for his work with acts like Trophy Eyes and Saviour. The band have worked with Shane since their very first releases, and there's nobody else that could bring this new album to life. It's also worth noting that before they got to the studio, Hellions had no idea what Opera Oblivia was going to become. They started completely fresh, writing and recording their ideas as they were happening. And because of that, they wound up with something that, believe it or not, ended up shocking them. Hellions had captured lightning in a bottle, and they were careful not to shake that bottle around too much. In fact, what you hear today is actually the first mix of Opera Oblivia that Shane produced. Normally, an album won't be done until the third or fourth mix, if the band is lucky, but the first time Hellions listened to Opera Oblivia was only a few days after they'd finished jamming it out. The boys in Trophy Eyes were there to celebrate the occasion. There were a lot of shots being poured, and the vibe was just incredible. So it was settled. Album number three was in the bag, and all of a sudden... Hellions weren't just getting circle pits going at their local pub. They were touring all over the world, doing festivals like Slam Dunk and Download in the UK and tearing up a storm in Europe. To make the most of their hype, Hellions needed a single that would tear shit up. They needed something with a strong, 
relatable message, but also a giant hook and some crazy riffs. They needed a song like Quality of Life. If you've heard the song, you'll know why Quality of Life was such a massive release. Starts off with a big driving riff that was very familiar to what Hellions were doing up until that point, but it also teased just enough of that newfound theatrical edge. It was an introduction for listeners into a brave and exciting new chapter of the Hellion story, both for longtime fans and those coming across the band for the very first time. July 29th, 2016 was the day Opera Oblivia came out and everything changed permanently for Hellions. Triple J rallied around it like school kids around a game of handball, making their feature album for the week of release. It got perfect reviews from magazines like Hysteria, who called it their magnum opus and compared it to Nirvana's Nevermind. Blunt, who gave special mention to the album's themes and theatricality, and Kerrang, who called it, quote, one of the most ambitious genre splices ever dreamed up. The album came in at number four on the ARIA charts, and it even racked up a nice little bit of awards buzz including a nomination for Best Hard Rock Slash Heavy Metal Album at the ARIA Awards. In 2021, Opera Oblivia is much more than just Hellion's most successful release to date. It's an album that truly pushed the boundaries of what a band like them can achieve. It's proof that risky and experimental rock albums can still be successful in the Spotify age and really captures the authenticity and ambition that UNFD is based on. Now that we've touched a little bit on why it's such a special album, let's catch up with the blokes and Hellions themselves to riff on the life-changing backstory behind Opera Oblivia. This is UNFD, the official podcast, and it is now time to understand how Hellions made Opera Oblivia. Roll call, please. Yo, what up? This is Dre. I uh, sing in the band. I'm Af. I play drums. What's up? I'm, I'm Josh. I play guitar. <laughs> do you more oh, commonly Josh, get referred to as JC? Uh, I do. Yeah. JC, JC is good. JC's works. I like yeah. JC. You can, I'll let you. I'm he prefers you JC. Or the <laughs> Before we get into the making of Opera Oblivia, talk a little bit about where Hellions as a band were just prior to making it. Man. Well, oh, okay. So just, just before we kind of had like a, bit of a member switch up um yeah jc joined the band um just just before um we toured relentlessly off the back of indian summer which was the record prior to um opera oblivia and grabbed jc we saw jc we uh well we wanted jc to join from the start when we when we first made the band anyway um that was our master plot now that everyone knows so, ha! um but uh, yeah, we we're coming off just touring heaps. Like, I guess we were still, even though it was second album, we we're still still pretty fresh. Yeah, we were still trying to figure. And we were fresh faced ourselves. We have, we were just we were fresh legged. We just wanted to go. Yeah. So you would even admit yourselves that you had nowhere near reached your potential as a band, despite having two albums out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think we were the the first. Like, Die Young always felt like a demo for Hellions. Um, Indian Summer was. We we did that thinking that's what we wanted to do, but then 
after the fact kind of realized that was the direction that we wanted to go in. But then, um, yeah, leading into Opera Oblivia, I think we all definitely sort of uh, obviously grew a little bit more and decided that we wanted to um, sort of progress into that sort of, into a direction, like knowing that we'd done how many songs are on those records? On, on, I think there's 11 or 12. Yeah, I don't know. We had a bunch of songs to figure out where we wanted to go. And I think, yeah, we kind of really honed in on that, like just, just before. And JC, I think was a big part of like, bringing not only like the music and stuff together but the band as a whole it felt like the last piece of the puzzle and then i don't know it was really comfortable we had potter in the band as well which was which was fun so take us back to the initial days of opera oblivia where was it recorded in bang saray in thailand it's like Palm sound studios in thailand (laughs) yeah yeah JC, tell them about about uh, the the studio where we recorded it. <laughs> I was a I was a I was a plus one until this record came out. Like, I, was, I was like I was selling merch and just sort of hanging on and like hanging around. Like you were all fresh no, always- we well, and and he was on. We were like always touring together anyway. Yeah, so I was I was just kind of hoping. Well, I was just sticking around long enough so that hopefully they would ask me to join, and it worked. So sucked in. <laughs> so you walk um, into that studio in Thailand. What are you thinking, JC? It had been talked about so much. Like I'd seen all the photos and seen all the videos and heard all the stories more like the times they'd gone before. And I'd never, I'd never been like, I'd never been anywhere to, in Southeast Asia, like on holiday or anything before. Anyway, so that was like my first time going even to that part of the world. So it was all a bit, it, it was, it was sick. It was like a, you know, like a brand new adventure. And then, getting there the studio lived up to you know the hype and how how nice it was and the and like the the part of thailand that we were in also lived up to like how beautiful and sort of quiet and and secluded and 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 picturesque and and everything and yeah it was it it was great it was everything like uh, could have would have hoped for and more so you wouldn't have a shortage of studios to use in sydney or in australia so why did you choose this studio in thailand shane um yeah there you go <laughs> yeah the, the the short answer is shane edwards you want the long answer <laughs> the boys, are, the boys. It's why we're here <laughs> well we were there before and then um well before opera oblivia and then uh but originally um Anthony and uh, Wob were over there with their previous band, Heroes for Hire. Were you doing some MTV or something? A oh, full name dropper. It wasn't MTV, no chance. But um, it was. I made that full made that up. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, um, it was. Yeah. It was something they were making some making the band thing. It was like some webisode. I don't even know what it was for. But they were. They they took them to this studio and they like. Did weird things like to them? Not in not in the sus way. That, that yeah. Sounds a bit... no, yeah. 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 We, 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 <laughs> we went. I went there with another band, like for a brief stint, and sort of yeah, we we mucked around there and did some weird shit. Um, and then we fell in love with the place. And Shane Shane had come came over there with us. Um, with the other band, and he he loved it as well. Uh, when we were going to record Die Young. Originally, we were like, let's go there. That's the, sorry, there's a dog barking in the background. Um, we were like, let's, uh, let's go to that studio because it, it was so cool. It's like the best place ever to, to make music. Um, went there again for Indian Summer and then it was, 
by that time, Shane had moved there permanently and that was his main studio that he worked out of. So we, if we wanted to work with Shane, who I feel like is the best person for the job and always has been as far as Hellions goes, um, just because he'd been working with us for so long, if we wanted Shane, we had to go to Thailand and no one had any beefs ah. with doing that at all. <laughs> so you put your Bintang singlets on, you ah. go over to Thailand. <laughs> whoa, whoa, and- whoa. Hold. It's, it's actually <laughs> Chang or... Or, or Singha, dude. I'm sorry. I'm I'm showing Please, my lack of culture. Don't don't, there. don't don't do the do the beautiful people of Thailand like that. <laughs> so you go over to the studio, and you mentioned earlier that you still hadn't really discovered who you were as a band. Was there a mission statement? Was there something discussed on the plane over there that you were going to try and achieve with this album? We definitely uh, like mapped out what we wanted to do, but I guess with this album. We recorded very, uh, this was the first time as well we actually recorded separate, but we were all in the same studio, but we all, Shane was basically like when I'm recording, everyone has to get out. So like when I recorded, no one was present, when Anthony did drums and the two CDs before that, we were all pretty much watching each other doing everything. So I guess like in this one, we were, we, were, we got to like open up. Um, we thought in we ways. We yeah, we, we thought, but like it just got flipped on its head. Dre, as a singer, is that confronting? No, like not really. Hey, because like it was way more confronting the first two times around because I like became a singer and then everyone was watching me through the glass. So everyone was like, okay, bro, go. We gave Dre approximately two weeks to learn how to be a singer. And then, and then like, so like in that format, in that studio, sorry, there was just divided by a big glass. So everyone was always sitting on each other, like, uh, like recording, I guess. Was there um, anything else that you did to bring yourselves out of your comfort zone and to challenge yourselves? I feel like Shane just like Shane, Shane just so knew. Much. He just knew like we could just doing those two CDs before. He just knew how to get the best out of us, and then but also knew when to like go and uh, just take us out of the studio and just uh, chill out for a bit. And uh, there was a there was a nice balance of um, of recreation for lack of a better term and uh blood sweat and tears like literal blood sweat and tears went into Mm. making that because we on the way there i guess we thought we knew what we were in for and we prepared as much as we needed to and then we got there and shane was like we're doing it different this time um and yeah he, he really pushed us and it was pretty pretty intense but it was like some of the, the fondest memories I have, to be honest. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like thinking back on it, you're like, damn, that's crazy. How did you go, JC, in those initial recording stages? I, I went I went I went pretty good. I guess I was a bit of like a bystander. We did we did a not a bystander, but like we did a whole lot of pre-pro, which um I like I know in previous bands I'd never done. And from my understanding, like you guys like for the first two albums hadn't really done. Is that that's right, yeah. Yeah, that's right. We, not not really. Yeah, so like I was there for like a bunch of the pre-pro, which was pretty cool. Um, and then you know going there, like I I didn't know how they had done it before, so but I definitely knew that what was going on this time around was uh, a different approach. It's like yeah, even from other experiences I had, I was like, fuck, this is pretty um, this is pretty different and and like not weird, but weird in a weird in a good way, like weird in a way that got something different out of us that I don't know if we knew was there or if we thought was there, but he got it out of us. He, like whether we, whether we wanted to or not, it was, it was coming out. Triple J played a massive part in the exposure of this album. Can you go into more detail about their role? 
they're hectic. Hey, they just um, yeah, they loved it, and we love them. Like they're like, yeah, it was mad. Richard Kingsman was so He's fucking kind to us. It yeah. was, it was still is. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, he gave us a, he gave us a chance where like we didn't we thought you know gen- generally if you're like a sort of punk hardcore band you get played on short fast out which is sick don't get me wrong shout out to shout out to josh um <laughs> like it's sick don't get me wrong it's it's wild hearing your song you know and, and like you might maybe lucky if he plays you in the middle of the day i was like a little g up for the for the night but yeah when we got played like at breakfast when you know moms are driving kids to school and you, you still got sleep in your eyes that was pretty like interesting that was yeah. like in a sick way. That was it was, it was a it was a wig, but it was sick. Do you feel like yeah. it was it was deserved? You feel like you deserved it? I don't think we we went in thinking that we wanted. No, nah, nah, like I don't think we deserved it. Like I, I think, think anyone. We, I think we it. left there um, being heaps stoked on it because like we leveled up in a way. Yeah, the record turned out so like, different to what we thought it would, and yes, yeah, so to have- so differently and like. A radio station be like, this is sick, and yeah. like playing, and then like comparing you to Queen and stuff like that is like, what? <laughs> we yeah, to even yeah. have that in the same sentence, sort of same like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's is that in terms of the the use of the gang vocals? Is that what they're referring to when they mention Queen and your band in the same sentence? That's the first I thing I think of. I guess the the I think theatrics the grandeur, of the whole thing, like yeah. how grandeur it was, and how like theatrical and like. I guess uh, operatic in a way. It was like a show. We haven't talked about the artwork. It's got, you know, that Halloween, that really prominent orange colour. Can you tell us a bit about the design and can you confirm the story about the airport and the schedule getting that album cover confirmed? It was just so back and forth because we were like, everyone was on like real, I guess, like strict uh, deadlines and we were like, we were working with Pat Fox as well, which is, he's a legend. Shout out Pax, Pat Fox. Pax Fox? Pax Fox. <laughs> like 3,000, year 3,000 Pax. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we were like, we were just shooting ideas back and forth and like, we we're making like these shitty like <laughs> PDFs of like images we just found on Google, I guess, and real basic knowledge of um, Photoshop at the time. And just like jumbling stuff together and just sending it to Pat. And then suddenly the the label and stuff were like, we need this to be signed off on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And we we just finished recording it. We're going to Europe for like a couple of months, um, freaking out. And uh, yeah, like I think on a lay- little layover, like or, or like a um, had a few emails. Like I checked my phone and there was just emails from Pat Fox and everyone being like, is this it? Is this it? Can uh, we need to approve this? Like right. <laughs> well, we had a bunch of calls with Pat while we, while we were in Thailand. He was like, he's one of the one of the good guys, you know that that has understood what he knew how to make the dumb shit that came out of our mouth. <laughs> he's always he's always made he's always made uh, he's always been a part of the team. Like, Do you uh, remember what the dumb shit was? The foundation of the album cover because you mentioned that you started with some things that you found on Google, something so simple. But do you remember what it was? The initial idea? There was some awful thing I drew, which was like two <laughs> wolves, like some sort of yin yang wool, like 
yin yang symbol like looking wolf <laughs> thing which was that was pretty whack that was awful <laughs> Wob was like that's the one that's the one i was like oh, that's sick. that'd be cool looked awful um i don't and i can't i think what was there was something with like a lady at the end of a cliff with an umbrella or something like looked a bit mary <laughs> poppins ish from memory i actually i do recall you doing some very fucking good drawings um over there and it, they co- coincided with that huge list of potential album titles that we had as well. Oh, that um, yeah, the list that was good. Oh, rest in peace. Was, rest in peace. The, the short the list tux, tux, with the tuxedo. What is it? <laughs> oh, no, that, that was that was true. that was. Different. Are we allowed to say that? Is that on the yeah, right? Yeah. What was um, it? What was the tuxedo? Fans, Fantasia tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> that like, that's mad on the cop, bro. We assume <laughs> that, that's 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 the maddest wob name I've ever heard. In my life. He, Were the he, music videos? Were they a much easier process? No, nah, they were just as chaotic. Two, oh, of cool. them didn't, two of them didn't even go ahead. Yeah, we, like, we filmed the whole. We filmed the whole fucking what? Like, oh shit! Yeah, we can swear. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, we filmed like a whole day's worth, like a literally like what, like we ten had, hours, eleven hours. We took people out of their days as well. Like people, <laughs> people were so nice to come and um, for this live shoot as well. Never got used. Yeah, is that it's the just, pressure? That yeah, was yes. and then it just that... rocked up on the internet like a week later. So it turns out it did get used. <laughs> this dude, this dude was just like, "Nah, you know what? This is probably my best work. So I'm just gonna post it anyway." <laughs> <laughs> so when the album comes out, you hit the road. How's the reception? It was. Uh, it was pretty wild. It was, hey, it was pretty like, wild. Like we trip like everyone. Respect to all involved. It was. Uh, it was sick. The first, the first few times playing those songs was a bit weird because we went to Europe and had just recorded them and had never played them before. Had to kind of learn them on the fly and played them live. So that yeah, was weird. Europe but then when we Europe got back like to Australia, for Australia, or I guess actually kind of towards the end of that first Europe, Europe tour that we did after we just recorded, the songs were now I think maybe quality of life had been out maybe. But by the yeah, time we finished out. the reception, started to like pick up a bit and then when we got back home it was like oh yeah i guess like no one just knew that we were playing those like these songs overseas and then we came back and we were just like what the fuck is it true that you (laughs) had to you had to rebook these shows in larger rooms yeah where did this happen how did that happen where they sold the fuck out um (laughs) (laughs) um no, nah, like I, it was, it was honestly so insane. Like we were just like, "What the hell!" Like, and then to see like, uh, like people coming back, and then like when their venues were upgraded, I guess, and see these other venues being tossed around, um, their names being tossed around in the mix, it was just like pretty wild. Hey, because I guess growing up, we were all going to the bigger venues to watch bigger bands as well. So it was and like we're that playing whole like youth centers and shit. Yeah. So we would. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't knock the PCYCs. Not on this podcast. No, we loved it. That, that, that's what. That's what. That. That's the foundation. Yeah. That's the bread and butter we were built. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't be the people we we wouldn't be the people we were if it wasn't for for PCYCs and youth centers. Yeah, shout out and Black Town was on it. And we got to we got to be sidetracked there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> of all the shows yeah. and all the tours, um, does it get much bigger than the You Me at Six tour? That was pretty mad. I feel like um yeah that was that was uh that was pretty sick. Like that was mad. Those uh, swing of shows, 
And the, our whole experience to be actually in UK was insane. We were like, was that the festivals as well? Um, no. You made six. That you was that was, was in Australia. That was here. True. Oh yeah, that was when <laughs> we just went to their house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that that was cool. That was not. That was like a cool thing to to. It was a good good gap for us. I guess. We Sorry, we went, This is what I was talking about at the time when Jay's we were here. talking about doing the song together. And we like met up and we were all chilling together. Josh, Josh from Yumi at Six get, did guest vocals on like a new version of our uh, 24, which is from Opera Oblivia. Um, and we went to Dan, the drummer's house, to do that in the UK, not here. But the tour yeah. here was, was so sick. Um, we didn't expect it. And it was the first kind of tour, I guess, we had got like that, like a cool support with people that we immediately sort of clicked with um, who were, who we felt like were levels way beyond what we were as far as bands go can you talk to us about unify 2018 it must have been a massive moment for this album to now have been out long enough for people to have a have a chance to digest it and then see it i've played so many unifies now they all like that was the one with that was one with jen with jen oh yeah yeah yeah, that was psycho yeah that was the best that That was was probably uh that was like what the like we're in a pretty mad slot and like uh first like i guess like show as well that we got a chance to like they were like what do you want to do like as far as the production goes yeah, that, how do you want to like, make yeah, the stage yeah. work and shit we're they like, asked what? they <laughs> asked they literally asked five wrong people hey what do you want to do <laughs> yeah. what do you want to do production wise do you not we know like, what we're like <laughs> yeah 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 we're like definitely confetti yeah. Um, um just just quietly. <laughs> um mate ran the what was it? Was it Pyros? No, it wasn't Pyros. No, it was it was, it was um, the CO CO2. Don't you have to be licensed to run that? <laughs> no, there's there's <laughs> let's, let's not get anyone into trouble. But. Yeah. That's when um, his that's when his knee was buckled too. That's when he couldn't even yeah, walk. But so if it went if it went south. If you're looking for um a production manager, everything, uh Nikolas Shremsevich. Yeah. at gmail.com <laughs> can we go we'll do you alphabetical order so we'll go af then dre then jc can we please get your favorite song or songs on the album and what the legacy of the album is or what it means to you so we'll start with you af my favorite song oh, if that if you yeah. can't answer it if it's like naming your favorite child skip over and talk to us about the yeah, legacy what it means to you they, they all um they all have their own um like some songs I like more because I like playing them live more. Um, like Lotus Eater, I, I love playing that song a lot. That's that's one of the funnest songs to play on drums. He Without Sin is really fun to play on drums as well. Um, and then I think Thresher is obviously one of my one of my faves. And uh, I really like Twenty Five as well and Twenty Four. I think I like all of them, but yeah, it's hard to choose. <laughs> um, the record as a whole, I think it was just so fucking cool to do something like that with my friends um and what came out of it was i could never have imagined that we would be able to pull something like that off um and i think the 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 messages behind the songs and like each individual song and what we did um there was such a focus on and like credit to to matt for you know sort of steer helping steer the ship um but the the messages that we managed to get across is like so much about being individual and being yourself. And um, I'm really proud of that anyway. And, and it came, we came out of like a, we sort of touched on it before, but like a little, a strange period before 
we went and recorded it and uh yeah it was fucking cool to do that yeah yourself dry probably say um 24 is probably my favorite to play live i think i think nah yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think that's i think it's just uh it has everything in the song and it's super fun to play for me personally. It's the most chillest song to actually sing for me. So that's why I think I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I get them. And it's, and, um, it's always, uh, for me personally, it always opens up our set regardless. So it's like our foot, like, it's just like a, it's just the first song we always open with. Kicks it all off. Yeah, kicks yeah. it all off. And uh, I'd, I'd probably just say what, I'd probably just agree with what Anthony said. It was just like a really weird time coming out of Indian summer. And that like touring and uh, that whole schedule, and then like everyone's going through their own things and stuff and such like that. So uh, like it was just a big testament to our friendship coming off it. I think for me personally, JC. Yeah, I mean, like everyone said, it, I think it's 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 really hard to pick one. But if I had to pick one, probably Nightliner because it was the it was like the first one that we kind of i think it was like the first one that we got like a lot of lyrics to and the first one that kind of was finished the first and i can remember dre like running out of the room with shane he's like jc you have to come here and listen to this now and i ran in and then shane turned it up to like 11 and it was so and i just i couldn't believe what i was saying which is i know it's a bit sort of trumpet blowing your own trumpet but fuck it it was mad (laughs) um yeah it was and i i I just remember being like oh okay like that sort of is is kind of when it all sunk in i was like oh okay like we're doing something kind of pretty i think we might be doing something cool here so yeah i think that is the song just because that was like the first one like yeah the first sort of one i heard in as it was progressing the most anyway (laughs) let me tell you a little bit about what i what i've interpreted from opera oblivia there is hurt there is irreverence it's almost playful at times and there is a bit of anger towards the world. Ultimately, there is this undertone of positivity. And to combine all of that into one piece of recording is astounding. It's magnificent. And gentlemen, before I get a final word from you, can we get an update on Hellions for 2021? Uh, hopefully record some songs. We got, a, we got like, it's not like we don't have content. It's just, I guess, like everyone figuring out each other, uh, one's lives and stuff. And then, uh, we we took a break, and then after after Rue, and then obviously like COVID rocked up, so that extended the break. <laughs> um, but and yeah, we're, we're gonna like record plus ones all it's yeah. like mutant cousins and shit. Yeah, we gotta we gotta <laughs> we gotta record. Um, which yeah, which we're sort of in the process of sorting that out right now, and then yeah, definitely touring, and uh, got a feature film coming out. Hard. Um, we got. Um, <laughs> We don't actually. I'm just trying to make this sound like we're bit... um, Yeah, we're just we're hang we're hanging out a, a lot though um, at the moment. We're just like being mates at the moment, being friends. Um, and yeah, we'll record some stuff soon and put it out. We're definitely not done. Thank you, Af, Dre, and JC for reminiscing some of your memories and some of the moments creating what became Opera Oblivia. Thank you for being on UNFD, the official podcast. Thank you very nice. much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, heaps, bro. Thanks for joining me on UNFT, the official podcast. And to everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. As usual, this episode was written by Matt Doria and produced by Abby Lou Key. I'm going to hop away from the mic, but stay tuned for our next episode in a few weeks' time. 
alongside the third installment of UNFD's 10th anniversary vinyl series. If you reckon you can guess what's coming up, feel free to hit us up on the socials. We certainly welcome all of your wild conspiracy theories. Just in case you need it, here's a little hint. The next album in the series was a dream come true for the band that made it. A dream come true. For now, of course, you can cop this jaw-dropping new pressing of Opera Oblivia by Hellions from 2400 or unfdstore.com, as well as some top-notch Hellions merchandise. Take care, stay safe, and mosh on. Infinite.